it's amazing to think that God, who's so powerful and eternal and so beyond us, so much greater than us, waits patiently and asks for us, or waits for us, to invite him into our lives. Uh, if you've ever seen, like, man, uh, if you ever tried to, you know, if, if you have any, have any nieces or nephews, and at times nieces and nephews, they have their, their moods and they have their, their, their different personalities, and you as an uncle or an aunt uh, might be trying to kind of win their affection, you know? So you go over to your little niece and say, hello, little niece. That's what I call my nieces. Hello, little niece. Uh, uh, and, you know, you're trying to, well, how was school and how were things? And they, they, they don't want to talk to you. And, like, you're an adult and you don't care, but why isn't she talking to me? And then you, so, so you try again, you know, so you go over and a little later on, and you, you want, you know, you want, to, you want them to kind of take an interest in you. You know, you're the adult, like, you know, but you're, you know, this little, you know, the smile or the reaction, the joy, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it would be a great thing if for, you walk into their house and your little niece and nephew is actually happy to see you. Oh, it's Uncle Patrick. You know, that's, it's nice. You know, it's nice. Whereas if you walk into the house and they go, oh, it's you. <laughs> you know, um, you would feel somehow maybe the need to try and win their affection. Okay. Even though, I mean, whether they care or not, does it really affect your day? But, but you want to win their affection. You want them to like you. <laughs> They're your family. Okay. Now, on, on, on a much grander scale, God then, who has no need of us, he doesn't need us for anything. He doesn't need us to, to be more complete. He's uh, complete in and of himself. He lacks nothing. Makes himself dependent on our reaction. Like he, he can't force our reaction. He can't force our response to his love. That, he, he makes himself weak as such, like dependent on that. Again, dependent is a kind of a theologically dangerous word. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't need us at all. But, but he does want our affection and love. And that's something that he won't force, so that, that that is in our power to give him or not give him. He deserves it, but it, it, it's, it's, his, it's his reaction. So it, it's, it's, it's our reaction to, to our response to, to his love that, that he, he waits for. And it it's incre- must be incredibly humbling for him. You know, who are we? <laughs> Little ants running around on this little speck of dust flying around in space. Why should he care? But he does. He does. So he wants to be our God and we his people. That's why he created us. He created us out of love and he created us for love. And he created us for eternity. So we hear in the book of Samuel today, it's a very interesting reading. Uh, Again, one of those readings that might go kind of over your head when we hear it. The elders say to Samuel, Samuel, we want a king like all other nations have. Okay, so they, they would see all of their, their maybe their, their enemies and their foes and the Egyptians and whoever else. Like they all had kings, this kind of powerful leader and everyone was, was afraid of Ramesses or everyone was, was in awe of Nebuchadnezzar or who, you know, whichever, they were, they were like there was these powerful kingdoms but based on a king, right? There's was a, there was a, a leader, uh, an individual who was feared, who, who was held in, in high esteem, who was maybe even divinized by the people or by themselves. Uh, okay, so there, there were these 
characters uh, leading their people, and the Jews wanted to be like them. So they said, let us have a king to rule over us. And Samuel prayed, and the, Lord, the Lord's answer was, I want to be their king. I want to be their king. I want to be their leader. They don't need a human leader. Okay? But the people insisted. No, we want a king. We want a king. And then the Lord said to Samuel, okay, tell them. Right? Tell them this. If you have a king, these will be his rights. He will take your sons, and they will be basically his, his soldiers. He will take your daughters. They'll work in the palace. They, they'll be his perfumers. I didn't realize that was a job. There you go. Uh, he will make them generals in his army or commanders in his army, leaders of, leaders of a thousand, leaders of fifty. Uh, he'll take your daughters as cooks and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields, of your vineyards. He'll take the best of your olive groves and give them to his officials. You'll have to pay taxes. Right? So you'll have, he will tithe your crops and vineyards to provide for his eunuchs and his officials. He'll take the best of your manservants, manservants and maidservants. He'll take the best of your cattle and of your donkeys. He will take the best of your donkeys. will not be easy. Uh, and he will make them all work for him. Right? He'll, you'll have to pay tithes on your flocks and you yourselves will become slaves. What was the people's reaction? Yes! <laughs> we'll have all of that. <laughs> Just imagine Samuel going, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is not, it's actually, it's not what God wants, but God says, if this is what they demand, give it to them. In a way, it's kind of like, okay, let them experience this. Let them make their own bed, then they'll have to sleep in it. This is what you asked for? Okay. Right, you don't want me, you reject me as your king? Okay. I can't force that. I can't force you to choose me. You're choosing a human being to, 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 to lead you as a king? Okay. All right, let's see how it works out. And the people, this is what they chose. It wasn't God's will. They chose it, and uh, under Saul, David, Sam, uh, Solomon, ebbs and flows, but overall, uh, it wasn't great. It seemed, it, 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 there, were, there were victories in battles, but, but overall, it's not what the Lord wanted. And the kingdoms, the, 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 the tribes were split afterwards into the, the, the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And after that, they were never reunited. So it ended badly. It ended very, very badly. The northern ten tribes were annihilated. End of story. Never heard of since. That's 2,800 years ago. So it, it didn't end well. So it wasn't the Lord's plan. The Lord wants to be their God. Now, I, 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 get, I was thinking about this this morning. You see, this isn't, how, how could you do, practically speaking, how could you have God as your king and no human king? Because you can imagine if you go to your average Tesco or bank or school or anything, right? And, and the manager there says, look, we've made a, a decision here that we're not going to have any leaders here. Okay? Uh, so I'm going to abdicate as, as, as manager. And let's all just be responsible. So we're all responsible for what happens. Okay? So all the employees come to Tesco in the morning, and then they're all equals. They're all equal. And everyone just has to simply you know, do what needs to be done. But nobody is responsible. Okay? So what would happen? Think of human nature. What would happen in practice 
Edith knows exactly what would happen because she would go in and she would work like crazy. Edith would have everything done, but then there'd be 50% of people who'd do kind of nothing. They'd be on their phones, especially if they're under 27. They'd be on their phones all day, kind of half stocking shelves. <laughs> you know, and it'd be absolute chaos. Then someone falls and breaks a leg. Who's responsible? Who's responsible? Or if the business in the shop starts to go down, who is responsible? Oh, well, we're all responsible. Oh, who? Well, I was working, so it wasn't me. I'm, so I'm not responsible. It doesn't, it doesn't work, right? If there isn't a responsible, if there isn't a, a, an actual hierarchy, there is chaos. This would be the same in anything. It's not just in the church. In any institution, any bank, any shop, if there's no responsible, if everybody is responsible... Nobody is responsible. You know, there'd be absolute chaos. So I get it. Like, how would you have God as your king? Because when something goes wrong, how, how, how do we find out what he wants? And then who interprets what he wants? And who maybe, not enforces a strong word, but who makes sure that we do what he wants? How, you still need a structure under him. To, to, to apply it and to keep us on, on to keep us faithful then to what we have agreed or to what, or to what he has revealed so there still would need to be some sort of a governing structure uh, the, he's not suggesting that the answer to that is the king it may have, have meant then that the, that the responsibles would be the religious leaders which is a lot of power it's very dangerous to have religious authority and civil authority in the hands of, of, of the same people that's very very risky it's a lot of power but Ultimately, it would have worked out. The Lord would have revealed what he wanted and how he wanted it to work. He wanted to be their God. And imagine in our own day, if, like in our political decisions, if, 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 and this isn't just to blame politicians, because at the end of the day, we elect, we elect them. But if in our decisions, we asked, you know, Lord, what do you want? Even the simplest of things, obviously, it's, it's very obvious in questions like pro-life or family. Lord, what do you want? The answers are pretty obvious there. But then also as regards other things, you know, international trade and dealings and uh, border control and all this kind of thing. Lord, what, what do you want? What do you want here? I've no doubt that if we asked, he would tell us. How can we follow his will if he doesn't reveal it? How can we obey him if he doesn't tell us what he wants? He, he would tell us. He would reveal it, absolutely. So, in our own day, I think we really have, we have divorced faith from, from real life. Our faith is put into a nice, comfortable little box, which is opened on a Sunday, and the other six and three-quarter days of the week, they're ours. But just that, that little... Is that little part reserved at best? Is that little part reserved for God? That's the part He can kind of control and deal with. All the rest is ours: our work, our finances, our health, our futures, our education. That's all us. And then God just takes care of that little kind of holy bit on a Sunday morning. That's not what He wants. This reading isn't just about the Jews of, of three thousand years ago, but it's about us today. Am I allowing the Lord to be God of my life? Today, in the 21st century, am I allowing the Lord to lead my life? 
or am I doing exactly what they did and said, well, I want to lead. Or I want to follow the state. Or I want to follow, maybe they, they, they wanted a king. I want to follow what, whatever is politically correct, whatever the majority say. <coughs> it's not what the Lord says. Am I willing to let the Lord be God of my life today? And, and there's a condition in this, and this is something that, that I... Uh, it's not always the, the easiest to believe, but I think it's hugely important. If I want to let the Lord be God of my life, then two things. I have to be willing to listen. I have to be willing to listen to him. And I think for religious, we all know what I'm going to say for the next bit. Listening to him is one thing. What follows listening? Doing or obeying. Listening to God is one thing. I can listen to him and understand what he wants. But then the responsibility is on me to obey what I have just understood to do what I have just understood. And like I've noticed with, with a lot, myself and even different people from Holy Family in the past, uh, after we start a, a journey with the Lord and we have a, a more or less regular prayer life, I think we do start to hear the Lord speak to us. I think we hear the Lord speak to us more than we probably recognize. As in, we hear these little inspirations in our, in our hearts, you know, these little callings. Do you want to go to the chapel? Do you want to forgive that person? Did you see there's a heap of washing to do in the kitchen? Would you like to do that? Did you see that little bit, bit of dirt on the ground? Do you want to pick that up? You have all these little, these little inspirations, kind of all day. All day. The Lord is speaking to us. He's showing us where to serve. He's showing us who to love. He's calling us to forgiveness. He's calling us to prayer. He's calling us to silence. Calling us to avoid certain TV programs or TikToks that we know are going to lead us away from the truth. He's constantly speaking to us. I think we hear his voice so often we don't necessarily recognize that it's his voice. But he's, he's trying to be our king. He's trying to guide us constantly. And the more we, we obey that voice, the more we recognize it as his. But there can be a real resistance. This is where it's, it's God's will versus our will at the end. It's just this, this fight of wills where I know what he wants, but I don't care. I know what he wants, but it's hard. In here this year in Holy Family, it's easy <laughs> It's much easier, anyway. It's easier here. You know, it's, it, I mean, you have a holy hour as part of the program, so it's easy to get a holy hour every single day. Once you leave here, then you have to choose it and find it and travel to get a holy hour. It's a travel to, to, to find a church or an adoration chapel. You have to actually put in some effort. Here it's easy. But you have these little callings, you know, like... The Lord saying to us, come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Yeah, Lord, I know you're calling me, but I'm busy. I've stuff to do. My screen time today was only four hours. <laughs> I was talking to a girl recently, and she said, I have no time to pray. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I have no time to pray. And I said, take out your phone there. Oh, why? I said, just check your screen time. What was your screen time yesterday? Five hours. Five hours. 
I've no time to pray. But her screen time was five hours. I said, that's how much time you have to pray. You had five hours to pray yesterday. Five hours. No time to pray. My foot. Uh, we have it. We have time. So we have these little inspirations, these little, little you know, utterances of the Lord in our hearts, calling us, tugging us back. But we might say, I just don't want to. I don't, I don't, I, I'd rather not. There, there are more fun things out there. Or then there's even the, the, the difficult reality of, of in prayer and in silence. You can find your head starts to get very, very busy. Once things quieten down, then your head can start to speed up. Now, as you start to think of the, the difficult circumstances that you're, you're trying to deal with, as, you're, as in the silence, then you start to feel maybe the hurts of rejection or loss or grief, fear, fear all over the place, fear of the future, fear of the past, fear of, fear of even the friends that you have, will they still be friends tomorrow, fear of family members and fear of ill health and, and, and there's so much to be afraid of and the silence can often magnify that you're, you're there with the, with the Lord in silence and then your head just starts to get so busy it can be deafening even though externally there isn't a sound in, in your head it's just I heard a, a, a really beautiful line from Sister Miriam James Highland where she said you know so often when it comes to our, our problems and our pains we want to go around them. We want to go over them. We want to go under them. We, want, we just want to avoid them in some way. But the only route to healing is through them. The only route to healing is to go through that time of grief or through that pain or suffering with God, with the Lord. But through it, through it, through it. If we try to go around it, or it, just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's always there. We're avoiding the elephant in the room. And there's only so long we can do that. The only route to healing is, is to go through those experiences, but with God. And this is how he shows himself to be king in our lives. His, his kingship isn't one of just commanding and demanding. His kingship is one of love. His kingship is one of compassion. His kingship is one of healing. His kingship is one of protection. His kingship is one of fatherhood. That's why we can be so confident coming to God as our king. Because he doesn't really demand much of you at all. <coughs> he wants to heal you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. So when we come to you, Lord, or when we hear you, give us obedient hearts. Give us trust-filled hearts. Give us hearts that respond quickly to your inspirations. Give us hearts that will follow you, that we may experience each day that you are our King. Amen. <coughs>